the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, the first question I'd like to ask the first question and uh, to my, my dad and mom, and this I think this is the, a great question to start with since we're kind of headed that way anyway. Um, what have you seen in the last 40 plus years of ministry that has been the cause of that thought process for when you, when you started out in the ministry, most of the Pentecostal churches were still manifesting Pentecostal doctrine and practice. And somehow, uh, churches that are Pentecostal in name or denomination have drifted away. They may still be on paper, but in practice and doctrine, they're not Pentecostal. And there's this thought process that you have to eliminate Pentecostal practice and doctrine in order to see growth. Mm -hmm. And now many of the churches that used to be Pentecostal are trying to find other methods with which to grow. What do you think has been the cause of that over the last 40 years? One time your mom and I were in Illinois and a pastor said, I want to show you one of our largest Assembly of God churches in this district. They took us to Springfield, Illinois. And mom and I got out with the pastor. It wasn't his church. It was his buddy's church. They opened, we opened the door, went in the foyer. And there was a sign over top of the door where you went into the auditorium. And the sign said, no speaking in tongues in the auditorium. Right. Remember that, dear? I do. No speaking in tongues in the auditorium reserved for the prayer room. Right. And I first started traveling and preaching in uh, 1974. And it was a common practice for people to bring messages in tongues and interpretation in the services. Even in the large churches. And in those days, a large church, a thousand people, a little bit more. Perhaps not as large as what they call the mega churches, but. Amy Simple McPherson at a church of 5,000 people in yes, L.A. Yes. And there was tongues and interpretation in her meetings. So anyhow, I saw that. Now, the man that pastored that church, his wife, her father, was one of the men that was saved under Mariah Woodworth Eder in Indianapolis. And... Her father, I met him before he went to heaven. He, he believed in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. He was one of the pioneers of the Assembly of God movement in the state of Indiana. Come out of Mariah Woodworth Eddard's church in Indianapolis. He and Herman Rose and Roscoe Russell, people that I knew that were preachers that got saved under Sister Eddard's ministry. And when I saw that, I said to my wife, you watch, it won't be too long before we won't be hearing messages in tongues and interpretation in the meetings. Yes. Why? 
because we grieve the Holy Spirit yes. when we put a limit on him and tell him when and where he can show up. If you want to see a move of God, you got to get your cotton picking hands off of the things of the spirit. Amen. That's a Southern colloquialism. <laughs> uh, for all you Southerners, you know what I'm talking about. We take that which is carnal and mundane, the working man. I've picked cotton balls off of cotton plants. You can get your hands pricked up. And sometimes we take the natural and try to do the supernatural. And it doesn't work like that. Right. The Bible says God anointed the hands of the apostles. Yes. So it's not man anointing God, it's God anointing man. So then I noticed, and that was in 1981, I noticed after that, church after church we went to, suddenly there was a, a cessation of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now many of the larger churches, if you have a message in tongues, they want you to write it down. That defeats the whole purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. They're spontaneous. And any pastor that's afraid of people that move in the Spirit uh, probably shouldn't be pastoring. I've never seen anything happen in a meeting that couldn't be fixed. Exactly. But uh, I know of one church, they have a mic. They call it the tongues mic. You come down and give your message in tongues. Do you have one of those? And then... Uh, <laughs> If the pastor approves, well, he lets someone interpret. Now, this is what I believe. I've never been in a meeting where a message in tongues was given that you couldn't also give the interpretation. I could do it. Sure. I mean, I literally get the mind of God and I've proven it. Sometimes when someone gives the interpretation, I already knew that was what it was going to be before they said it. Mm -hmm. So that gave me confidence to know that you can operate in the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And I remember being in a service with you one time as a boy and a word in tongues was given and a guy stood up and gave the interpretation and you could feel, I could feel even as a boy that it wasn't right. And the guy, when he finished giving it said, no, no, that wasn't it. And you said, I know. And then took it and gave the actual interpretation of what it was supposed to be. Sure. Yeah, it doesn't mean you get upset at the people. We want everybody to yield to the Spirit, be happy and yes. flow in the Spirit. But you have to be teachable. And if you're not teachable, then God can't use you. Right. Yeah, I've, I've been given this, the, the gift to interpret tongues and the interpretation. I think he'd probably install every pastor with it. Right, if he's going to oversee the body. I believe every believer, every believer can flow in the gifts. Yeah. Even yes. better. Every believer, but a pastor, certainly, there are certain gifts that work in a pastor. Go ahead, honey. I heard a pastor say one time that if we didn't need the Holy Spirit, then God wouldn't have sent the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And the wonderful thing is, in church, it's his job to change people's lives, to set them free to save them, you know, and to not have the Holy Spirit moving in the services, you might as well not even be there. True. I mean, you need the Holy Spirit to move and to have his way and to do the work. And people, I think, 
did not, they stopped seeking the Lord for the gifts and for the moving of the Spirit. And so they didn't know what else to do. So they began to fill it in with other things, that seeker-sensitive thing where we want to make everyone happy and feel comfortable. Sometimes when you're living in sin, you don't feel comfortable. You need to just come. The Holy Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit will do a work in you. And I'm so thankful for that. That's true. Hallelujah. You know, Candy's saying this on the comments, which is so true. She said, it seems that so many believers seem to be afraid of the gift of tongues or even, you know, ministry leadership. Um, you know, I remember hearing Brother Hagin say one time that uh, there was a, a couple. Dad, you'll remember that couple that pastored the church. And he said it was the he said it was the greatest example of a New Testament church that Brother Hagin had ever seen. And he said it was filled. Their services were filled with tongues and interpretation. That was Lynette Hagen's parents. Mm -hmm. And um, was it the he would Rooker? Speak in the tongues. He'd speak in tongues. No, Rooker was Aretha's Oh, that's name. right, yeah. Uh, uh, Lynette's dad would speak in tongues and her mother Interpret. ha had the interpretation mm -hmm. and they would flow together like that. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. And it's interesting that, you know, sometimes you see this because I, I think that's great. The, the fact that you mentioned that any ministers that are watching the broadcast, uh, no matter what age you are, it is important to remember that, you know, the whole, I feel like and it's not that we don't use wisdom, but it's like, it's not your job to curate the church. Jesus said, I will build my yeah. church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. There's nothing that's going to happen. You know, somebody tries to man whether whether it's they're off and they miss it, or if they're right on the money, that's going to destroy the church of God. That's it's not right. going to destroy the church of God. And I think it's wonderful that my dad said, "I've never seen anything happen in a service that couldn't be fixed." You know, and, and there's I've seen this happen just in the time that I've been traveling, is that there are some leaders that are so nervous about a word of tongues going out that no matter and no matter who gives it. They quickly grab a mic, jump in to interpret it because they don't want anybody else mm. in the service to say something weird or interpret it wrong rather than just letting people flow in the spirit of God. And then if it is wrong, bring correction to it. We, we just found it's, it's lack of training here <clears throat> that, you know, people, most churches will sever it instead of shape it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? They'll totally. eliminate it instead of, you know, empowering it, yeah. you know. And totally. so, you know, we, we and, you know, every it happens. You get the thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Woman, you know what I mean? Right, That's right. saith the Lord. Yeah. You know, didn't realize that God was King James. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all the King James people was. <laughs> yeah. But but you you know what I mean? And just you, you could tell it's it's more of a fleshly type of of situation because, you know, she's off. Yeah, you, you can, can feel you it. You can feel it. But then if you just shape her and train her, we've 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 dealt with several people here and not just severed it, but helped shape it. We have a great flow of tongues with an interpretation Praise here. Yeah. Many of my staff members flowing it. Yeah. You know, even, uh, you know, the worship leader on the platform, you know what I mean, might get a tongue and then it'll come from the body. We know that it, it, it's, it's more beneficial to have someone else interpret it than somebody self-interpret it. Yeah. And so it, it now works really well. The Bible says, and Dad, I wanted you to talk about this because this is something that's not talked about often, that Paul taught the church that if somebody gives a word in tongues, let that man interpret let yeah, my dad, my dad stuck by that in his churches. He said, if you're going to bring a message in tongues, you should have the interpretation. Yeah. Now, one time in Harrisburg, Aunt Margaret, who was Brother Shambach's sister and my Sunday school teacher, she gave a message in tongues. 
and dad waited when she's done for the interpretation. She didn't give it. So he's looking at her because she knew that dad had taught. If you have a message in tongues, believe God that then he'll give you the interpretation in English. But there was no interpretation from her. Another lady that played the organ, Grace, sometimes she'd give the interpretation. But there was no interpretation. Now on the Saturday night, that was a Sunday morning. The Saturday night before, Dad used to take us boys to the YMCA to work out and wear us out so we could sleep. And we'd go over there and play <laughs> basketball, then go swimming. Well, when we were at the YMCA, there was this fellow. He was a sailor from Greece that come up from the port in Baltimore to Harrisburg and was staying. In those days, you'd get a room at the YMCA for like two bucks. And Dad invited him to come to church Sunday. Well, he was there Sunday morning. And um, all of a sudden, that man stood up crying, and then he came to the altar. And he says, I want to be saved. I want to do what Jesus said. Dad thought to himself, he told me later, he said, I, had, I didn't even preach. But it turned out that the message in tongues that Aunt Margaret gave was in the Greek language, and she called that man by name, though he was in the back of the auditorium. She's in the front. She's never met him. But the Holy Spirit... As she spoke in other tongues, a language she didn't know. It was the language he spoke. And the Holy Spirit called him by name, told him the name of his village, said, what are you doing uh, being a sailor? I told you when you were younger, you were to preach the gospel in your village. And if you'll repent today and come back to me, I'll send you back and give you a mighty work there on the, that island in Greece. Wow. So there was an interpretation, but... The man understood it perfectly. My dad said that taught me, he's talking about himself. He said that taught me not to be too hasty. Right. <laughs> In other words, you've got to allow room for the moving of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that is the biggest hindrance to the moving of the spirit is multiple services. Yeah, and that's a comment that just came in. And it's killing. It's killing the move of the spirit. Yep. Just because, pastor, you don't have faith to build a big enough building... Don't hinder the spirit because of your lack of faith. Yep. I'm saying that to preachers watching. Mm -hmm. Now you can do it like brother pastor here does. He has multiple services, but Sunday we just kept on going and kept on going. People came in for the second service. He allowed that, but I've been in some places. They'll cut it right off. The spirit could be moving. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dead could be raised and they go, oh no, we got to get them out in the parking lot and right. so forth. Well, first of all, we're too building oriented in America. We're, we got to have the parking lot. We got to have, the, no, God is people oriented. Overseas, the people sit on fields to hear the word of God. Mm -hmm. But we're a little spoiled in this country. You know, we got to have everything just a certain way. But I'm praying, <laughs> and this is what I believe. I believe God is like our dear pastor Tomes, who's one of our great preachers in America. God will give him a big building, and uh, it'll be more than sufficient for the moving of the Spirit. I yes. actually prayed this week, God give him a 2,000-seat building yes. here. Amen. And that the work would keep growing and people keep getting saved. Yes. Well, someone said, well, what do you do if 4,000 get saved? I believe the day's coming where we might have four or five locations in one area Amen. with thousands of people in each location. Yeah. Now, Rodney Howard Brown told me the story of an African pastor that God gave him two churches and they were a hundred miles apart. 
and he didn't have a plane. And so he would drive like Jehu's chariot to get to the other church when he finished. Well, one day the Lord said, let me help you. This is a known fact. He, he said, I'm going to help you get to the other church supernaturally. So the pastor, he, pre he preached in that one church, turned and walked out the door. When he walked out the door, the spirit had carried him by the spirit. He was instantly a hundred miles away and walked into the other church. And that went on for years and everybody knew about it. And it caused both churches to be built up. Br Brother Rodney told me that story. I said, I, he said, I met the man. I interviewed him and he said, I watched him disappear or in other words, go by the spirit. Well, Philip got caught up by the spirit and was carried to his Otis. There's a lot that we're missing in the supernatural because we are trying to secularize yeah. the work of the church. Like someone told me, and I, I don't mention names, but this guy had written a book uh, for church administration. They told me his name. I, they sent me the book, a couple others. I looked at I don't agree with any of these new guys. They don't know what they're talking about. They're trying to use uh, worldly business principles to run the church. What are you, stupid? That's not how it works. And what I aggravates me even more is none of the <laughs> preachers are speaking up. If you're a leader, lead. And if someone's off, some of these young guys are off, then just tell them. They say, well, some churches are mom and pop operations. Say, Would you just zip it? I mean, I get so tired I, I heard of a, that. Uh, I really do. I was reading a book. I think it was Dr. Rodney Howard, but I'm not sure, but... It talks about hijacking and trafficking the anointing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a good point because this Giovanna brings this up. She said Sunday night services are all but done away with. I grew up when we had Sunday morning, Sunday nights, one week for Bible study and one night for youth group in the church. Yeah. And um, one of the things that bothers me is, and Dad, you can speak to this. I saw a website the other day. Preachers, and, I, and I've seen this. With, with several you know, pastors throughout this nation. And it's obviously bigger than, than what I've seen because now they have websites offering resources. And the actual website said, pastors are preaching too much. They're preaching too much and they're burning themselves out. Mm. And so they said, you know, a pastor has to preach 50 times a year. Um, and it's too much. They're, they're burning themselves out having to preach because they can have two weeks for vacation, but they got to preach every other Sunday, 50 weeks. I thought 50 messages you know, it's like, but, but that now they have a resource for that. And, 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 you know, one of the reasons people did away with Sunday night services is because people <laughs> right. stopped coming because it right. was like a rehashing of Sunday morning. There was nothing fresh, nothing new the, you know, done, done away with it for that reason. It's like, why wow, we heard it already in Sunday morning and, you know, yeah, but they got away from the original model in the early days. Sunday morning was what we would call a believers meeting. And so my dad, the preachers of that generation in the 50s and 60s, they would feed the sheep on Sunday morning. Then Sunday night, and they'd put it in the bulletins and everything. Sunday night was called the evangelistic meeting. That was the night you brought all your friends that were sinners and needed to be saved. And they would have a soul winning service on Sunday night and people get saved. Yeah. Yeah. Then Wednesday night was a prayer meeting. Right. And you just come and pray for the anointing to come on the on the church and the people in the church family. And they used to even have boards. They put people's names. You know, Sally has a need of this. Uh, Sister so-and-so's home needs this. 
And it was, that's how it was, right? I remember when all of that changed. Yeah. I said to my dad, we were driving over to the church, First Assembly, I was a teenager, and I said to him, Dad, have you noticed there's not a move of the Spirit in the Sunday morning services? Yeah, Dad says, it's been bothering me. Now, why was it? I think it was because people started doing all kinds of things Saturday and came worn out Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. But in the early days, I can remember on Saturday after supper, you started getting ready for church on Sunday morning. You didn't stay up and watch the late show. You didn't run around to the mall. There's just too much stuff. And people, they wonder why nervous breakdowns is one of the number one things, mental problems in America. Mm -hmm. It's because people don't know how to rest. Yeah. They're always yeah. in a hurry to go nowhere. Right. And so sometimes you can call me old. I don't care. It's good just to sit on the porch in that rocking chair mm-hmm. and watch the birds. Mm-hmm. The Bible says uh, in the scripture uh, where Jesus spoke about the birds and God wants you. Jesus said so. Yeah. Consider yeah. the lily. Yeah. The so birds. <laughs> so I, I obey Jesus. I sit out there and watch the birds. We don't have any lilies right now. The frost killed them. But anyhow. Well, t- would you talk about this? Because it's interesting. One of the things that they were mentioning, which is, is, I think one thing is preachers are trying to do too many things. And because they try to do too many things, they don't actually have time to, I mean, if you look at the apostles in the New Testament, when the church was being established, they said, we can't run the food distribution and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. You guys do it so we can pray and fast and study the word and minister to the people. Too many internet sermons coming from the pulpit. Well, you know what they were saying in that thing was the reason pastors are burnt out, they're spending an average of six to eight hours and many of them more than that preparing one sermon. It's like, when does, when have you ever spent eight hours putting a sermon together. And I'm not talking about prayer time. I, I study every day three or four hours yeah. and write stuff down. Right. Later it may become a message. Right. But you have to remember the Bible says the man of God is to be given to the study of the word sure. and to prayer. And out of that comes a message from the Lord. Yeah. So I never in my life have studied to get a sermon. Right. I've always just studied the word to get a word from the Lord for, for me. Yeah. And then once God preaches it to me, then I can preach it to the people yeah. because he made it real to me first. Yeah. And I, it's just too many robots in the pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. But it, it ends up being like, you know, what, what the point they were trying to make, which is interesting. Do you is know you what got, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they feel like they have to get this crafted masterpiece every Sunday morning. It has to blow the minds of men with statistics and stories. And right. it's like, just move in Rhyming. the Holy yes. Ghost. Got to rhyme. Just Love. preach by the power of the Holy Ghost and let people be changed. You know, one of the, the biggest things that sticks out from the New Testament is that when, when they stood before the high council, Peter and John, and their boldness was displayed in front of the council, they said, man, we can tell that these are uneducated and common men, but we can also tell that they've been with Jesus. Yeah. And so... You know, everybody feels like they have to be a professor before they can do anything for the Lord. Just be someone who's been with Jesus. If you've been in the presence of God and have had a deposit from the Holy Ghost, there's people that don't have any degree. I mean, you look through Pentecostal church history, there were people that didn't have any degree and didn't go to any university. Well, there's an overemphasis (laughs) on that right now. I had a pastor tell me in North Carolina years ago, honey, you remember this, he told me, he said, 
Brother Ted, if you don't get a degree in four years, you won't have a place to preach. Remember he told me that? Yes. I said, really? His name was Rufus Johnson. I hope you're watching. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he said to me, if you don't get a degree, Brother Ted, you won't, you won't have a place to preach. Mm -hmm. And I liked him, actually. He's a nice man. But I didn't agree with that. Right. So about, what was it, honey? A year later, he called me. He said, Brother Ted, I need you to come back. I'm having problems in my church. And, thing. and I said, you know what you need to do, Brother Johnson? He said, what's that, Brother Ted? Degree. I said, get your degree off the wall and go show it to everybody. Because <laughs> he told me if you didn't have a degree, you right. couldn't pastor. Well, some people, they have so many degrees, <laughs> it's just that many degrees lower on their spiritual thermometer. <laughs> it's, it's robbed their faith. I have a buddy I grew up with, played football with, and he, he got degree after degree and doctorate and taught in Pentecostal Assembly of God Bible colleges. But he told me in Dallas, Texas, he said, I wish I had faith like you, Brother Ted. I said, what are you talking about? Right. And I love this guy. He said, all my education has killed my faith. Right. The Bible says the letter killeth, yeah. but the spirit makes alive. Right. Mm -hmm. He was exactly right. I couldn't argue with him. He, yep. he told it the truth. Yet his grandfather was one of the pioneers of the Assemblies of God and taught both he and me to get on our knees and pray as young boys. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what happened? We've drifted. Mm -hmm. We've drifted away from the Bible. We've drifted away from the moving of the spirit. Yes. But the new generation, the folks that are here right now and watching, they're hungry for it again. Yes. Absolutely. And Jesus Amen. said, blessed. Man, yes. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Glory. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Blessed are they which do hunger yes. and thirst after righteousness, the promise, they shall be yes. filled. Praise Lift you your Lord. hands. We're going to be filled wherever you're watching Praise this, wherever you're Lord. at. Hallelujah. God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. God. Amen. Yeah, this Facebook isn't for everybody. <laughs> we know that. We know that. Um, but this teaching yeah. is for everybody. Yes. That's right. That's exactly right. I have a question. Um, you've been traveling in and out of churches for 46 years of ministry, you said the other night, probably more than that. Oh, with my dad, yeah, as a kid. Right. <laughs> So you've seen a lot of churches. You've seen a lot of what's going right, and you've seen a lot of what's going wrong. Yes. What, what, what are some markers or some identifications of a healthy church? I, you know, if One of the things that I think is important is the spirit of excellence. When I come to this church and I see the... the uh, things that speak to the excellence of this work, the carpet, the beautiful chairs, the uh, well laid out sound and media board at the back of this auditorium, the beautiful uh, and attention given to the platform, the way it looks, that speaks of excellence. Now someone said, but that's natural stuff. That's, that's things that are the outward. Yeah, but Many times when people come, the first thing they're going to see is the outward. And you want to make it as easy as possible for people to come to a church. So the spirit of excellence guarantees people are going to come. 
Yes. I've been to churches. The paint was cracking on the wall. They had little light bulbs hanging from the ceiling of the church. And it had been that way for years and they never fixed it up. Yes. Nobody wants to sit there and your little kids eating lead paint off the wall. Look, mama, I just ate another piece of paint. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. God doesn't mind that. Spirit of excellence Amen. is an indication that we value God. Yes. And the second thing that I notice when I go to a church, are they given to hospitality and are they generous? Yes. The Bible says the real church, you're given to hospitality. Are the people friendly? Mm -hmm. You don't want to go to a church where everybody looks like they're baptized in lemon juice. Right. A smile. Yes. The people greet the people. They make you feel at home. You feel like, man, they, they really like me here. I look for that yes. because if you don't consider those that come in, God will never give you a harvest. Amen. God's not going to bring people into a place where they're going to be destroyed spiritually right. or killed uh, spiritually. You got to remember just because it's a church doesn't mean it's always God. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of religious devils. Right. And uh, they go around guys like a preacher in the guise or disguise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get their collar on backwards, staring at their eyes at each other because they're cross-eyed. I mean, just, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, right. just a form, a ritual. Mm -hmm. And the Bible actually does say, having a form of godliness. Right. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power of God. Mm -hmm. So the third thing I look to see, do they allow the moving of the Spirit? Yes. Excellence, hospitality, generosity allowing the moving of the Spirit. These are all characteristics, if you think about it, that come out of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. And so I look for those things, Pastor Tomes. I mean, like I say, you're one of our great preachers in this country. I travel. I know for sure. I know I got one to 2,000 preachers that are on our mailing list that reached out to us. I've met a few. And over the years, I can tell. And I'll tell you something else. Brother Sumrall said this, and I believe it. He said, many of the men that claim to be ministers, women, he said, they're nothing more than glorified bookkeepers. He said, it's about 70%. So being young, I didn't know. I said, Brother Sumrall, really? I thought it was like 90%. He gave me a look like, <laughs> if I said it's 70, it's 70. <laughs> but it's true. Some people are in the pulpit. They're not called to God, you know. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think every preacher ought to work a hard job before he ever pastors. Like I worked on a dairy farm. I worked on a crab boat in the Albemarle Sound. I went, worked in a lumber camp in New Brunswick. I think every man uh, who stands in the pulpit ought to work with the world. I worked in the factory, drove forklift in Chicago. And uh, I think a lot of the, some of the ministers I see, the reason they don't do well in the pulpit is they don't realize that same ethic of hard work should be carried over into the pulpit and it gives you respect for the people that work jobs who have to get up really early yes. and get to work and then come like to a revival meeting. That's why I don't go till midnight every night. S some preachers, I've heard them brag, well, we might not get out of here till midnight. Well, I try, if after 9.30, if God's not moving, I'm going home anyhow. Uh, but it gives the people a chance to get home, get rested, yes. get back in. You can never build a crowd by going too long. 
You just can't do it because human nature is what it is. A lot of times I think our worship goes too long. People sing past the anointing. Sometimes you need to just stop and just start going with what the Spirit's doing at that moment. But you know, nowadays we, and nothing wrong with it, we have lists of songs and we're on the 13th song and you know, <laughs> my Bonnie light over the ocean. <laughs> This question came in <laughs> for a pastor that Bonnie lied over the seat. for a pastor that earnestly desires to see the gifts of the spirit of manifestation in his church. What are some steps he can take towards the realization of that taking place for his ministry? Wants to be used in the gifts? Yeah, in his church. <clears throat> well, first of all, the gifts are to operate in our daily life. I think it's like an iceberg. What you see in church is just the tip of it. These gifts are for our lives and it causes us to profit in every area. The Bible says to profit with all. So if you want to see it in your church, first you got to see it in your life mm -hmm. daily, yes. personally. Like sometimes I, I'll go in the mall and I'll purposely ask the Lord to give me words and I'll go up to people and just lay it on them and it's been good. Teddy, t tell, tell, them, tell them the story about Mary Cuffton and and, and your father when they were walking through the mall. Well, I'll let Dad tell because I actually wasn't there, but when you uh, went through the past oh, the suits. No, yeah, Brother Hufton <laughs> said, Brother Ted, I, and Mary Cuffton's another one of our great men of God. And he was a missionary's son and has a great church in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And he's generous. He said, Brother Ted, the Lord tells me to buy you some sport coats. I said, sound like the Lord to me. So after we ate, Bonnie, my wife, and his wife, Linda, they went into a woman's shop, Talbot's it was called, and we went into Joseph Banks. That's all the advertising they get. <laughs> so, you know, Joseph Banks, <laughs> buy one, Sue, get 27 free. It's a lot. But anyhow, <laughs> buy a tie, get the whole store. <laughs> but uh, Liars. I, uh, I go in. And the, the gifts of the Spirit start operating. I feel the anointing. And then I received a word of knowledge. And the Lord said, that young man over there has guarded the Ark of the Covenant. I thought, oh, Lord, I ate too much. What am I thinking? <laughs> so, you know, what do I care? I'm not in service. So I said to Brother Huffton, you see that guy over there? Yes, Brother Ted. I said, the Lord shows me he's guarded the Ark of the Covenant. And here's Brother Huffton. What? <laughs> what? I said, yeah, come on. We'll prove it. Come on over. So I go over. I said, excuse me, sir. Can I speak to you? He said, well, I'm waiting on this guy. I said, all right, I'll wait. He said, is it something I can help you with right now? I said, yeah. The Lord shows me you've guarded the Ark of the Covenant. The guy's eyes went. He says to the guy, come over here and wait on this guy. He said, come over here in the corner. So me and Brother Huffton go in the corner of the store. He said, are you guys FBI? Mm -hmm. I said, no. We are preachers. Oh, he said, I'm a Christian. I said, yeah, and the Lord showed me you guarded the Ark of the Covenant. He said, that's top secret. I said, where are you from? He said, Ethiopia. He told us the name of the church and that the Ark was in the basement and that he was a security detail that used to watch over it. So 
Brother Hufton's going like this. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm going, it's all right, Brother Hufton. He's mine, too. Hallelujah. I mean, it was a, a powerful word of knowledge. So anyhow, I go back to the hotel, and I get a call from Rich Wilkerson. Jan Crouch has asked him to host TBN in Miami that night. He said, Brother Ted, I need some questions. The former prime minister... <clears throat> of Ethiopia is the guest. I said, well, if you want to make international news, <laughs> tell him that you know the Ark of the Covenant. And I told him the name of the church and the town where it was. <laughs> I said, ask him that. Rich says, are you kidding me? I said, oh, no. I said, that's the word of the Lord, brother. Because God had given it to me that, that very day. <laughs> so that night, Rich goes to the TBN studio at Pembroke Pines there in Miami area. And the prime minister comes with a security guard. So in the green room, Rich says to him, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, uh, I know that you have the Ark of the Covenant and names the church. <laughs> and the prime minister goes to the guard, leave the room, please. And he throws his own security guard out and all the people other than he and Rich, he says, how do you know about this? Well, Rich says, I got a preacher friend. God shows him things. And <laughs> prime ministers go, well, he said, interestingly enough, secretly today, we're transferring the ark to the nation of Israel. It's happening right now. It's wow. happening right now. Well, that'll make a believer out of you. And I think that was when Brother Hufton really gave his heart to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> So you talk about the gifts of the spirit. I wasn't in a church. Right. Right. I was in Joseph Banks. But think about, think about that. that. Too many coincidences not to be God. Here's the guy that was one of the guards. The Lord reveals it. He gives me information about where the ark is and the name of the town and church. I go back to the hotel the Holy Spirit has Rich Wilkerson call me. He never called me about, oh yeah, one other time. But he never would normally call me about what to say on TBN. Right. And I tell him that because the former prime minister of Ethiopia is going to be on. He tells the prime minister another piece of information falls into place. The ark is being transferred this very moment. Yeah. to the nation of Israel. And Myrick's mind has been blown. <laughs> yeah, Brother Myrick, he'll always tell me, he said, you know what? I believe you might be a prophet. I said, I know I am. I went to the post office and signed some papers and it said on it, non-profit third class. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Don't get too caught up with titles. <laughs> Mom, what would you say for uh, women that are serving in the ministry? Um, and to wives in general, Christian wives and women that are going to be married in regards to not only marriage, but faith and ministry, operating in ministry, what's some advice you would give them? Well, when I got saved at 15 years old and felt the Lord calling me, actually from a little girl, I felt that call. But I knew I was supposed to go to Bible school. I didn't know what I would be doing. But when I met my husband and we, and we got married, I didn't really know what a minister's wife was to be. But I always just felt like, Lord, I don't know what talents I have, but don't let me ever be a hindrance to the ministry. 
And so I've always just asked the Lord, what do I need to do to make it all work? And uh, the Lord really taught me how to honor, respect my husband as the head of our home and to do whatever I needed to do to see the word of the Lord. You know, it's an important, very, very important thing when you're serving the Lord to allow him to have his way in your life. And um, we traveled on the road uh, two weeks after our honeymoon. We began traveling on the road. My husband had traveled a year before that. And when the children came along, I just felt like I wanted us to be together as a family. I wanted my children to be in the services. And so I, I chose to homeschool the children on the road so they could be with their dad, to be with their, with their dad, to be together as a family. And um, it was so important to raise the children in the services. And they were, I can probably count on one hand the services that I've missed in mm-hmm. 42 years. Um, because we just didn't miss. We just went to church. If the kids didn't feel well, you lay hands on them and Jesus heals them. And that's just the way we lived. We trusted the Lord. And I just, I'm so thankful that my children are serving the Lord. Amen. It's, you know, the most important thing that your children serve the Lord. And just live it in the home. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to walk in love and to, to work the word in your home, to love your children, to encourage them, to tell them they have greatness in them and that God has a great plan for their lives and they will fulfill that plan for their lives. So that's, that's what I think is most important, just being led of the Spirit. There, and there it comes back again. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and to be obedient to him and say, yes, Lord, right away when he speaks to you. Yeah, it always bothers me. You know, I, I'll see sometimes on like Twitter or Facebook, these preacher's kids that are like complaining, like they burnt me out in church when I was growing up. My dad was the preacher. He was the pastor. And, you know, our church, we had five Christmas services, you know, and it really ruined my Christmases and my childhood. And now, you know, they, they tell me like, I had to go to church. <laughs> and I, said, I had to go to church three times a week. I said, let me tell you something. Shut I up. went to church seven times a week, <laughs> and I, I, I'm much better for it. You know, it's like it, it cracks me up. People are people are so a generation of snowflakes that yes. you know oh, it was so hard. You know, it was so hard to go to church twice, three times a week, every single week. Didn't even get to go to my prom. The real question was, why did you want to go to your prom? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it blows my mind. I, when I was when I was on a state championship basketball team, I walked in at the beginning of the season and told my coach, like, you know, everybody would probably be vying to get time, playing time and doing everything they could to get playing time. I told him, if you call any games or practices on Wednesday nights, you're not going to see me there because I go to church on Wednesday nights. I, I'm the worship leader for my youth group and you're not going to see me participating on Sundays or Wednesdays. I, I won't be here. And he, and he told me, he said, if you don't come, you'll have to run 60 laps before every practice to make up for the time you missed. I said, I'll take the laps. I said, because the most important thing is not basketball. Hey, I'm, I'm almost 40 now, and guess what? I'm not in the NBA, but I'm still in the house of God. Amen. Come on. You know what I mean? People, Come on, that's good. It, it always makes me laugh because one of the things that my mom and dad never did that I think a lot of parents do now is that they teach their children by actions that church isn't that important. 
you know, well, we'll go to church if it's not, you know, if it's not a nice enough day to go to the lake or if you don't have travel baseball or if you don't have, if we don't have a family reunion or if there's not a football game or if there's, you know, and so what basically what they're, because here's what people are asking. How come so many millennials and uh, Gen Y are growing up and by the time they're 18, 19 can make their own decisions, don't go to church anymore? Because we've been raised in a generation where parents by action taught them if there's anything else we could be doing, that's what we'll do. But if there's nothing going on, we'll go to church. And, and, you know, what one generation tolerates, the next generation celebrates. So you end up having that. Um, and, you know, we, my sister and I started going That's to good. church at about two weeks old. Start traveling full time on the road. Two weeks old. My bed was under the pew. <laughs> my snacks under the pew. You know, and <laughs> Theodore slept the other night. Yeah. I told I told people I told people that I said, you know, I had a I had a. I had a cowlick right here, not because I had one, but just from having hands laid on me so many times. I had acne before puberty just from so much oil being on my forehead all the time. You know, but, you know, it doesn't. And, and the other thing I think, that, other thing that I think happens too, is that where people get quote unquote burnt out, is they're dragged to churches with no Holy Ghost power That's in right. them. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, if I if I had to go to a church where there was no Holy Ghost for 18 mm-hmm. years, I'd leave too and never come back. Right. That's why it's life or death it where is. you take your family to church. Amen. It is life or death. People say, well, there's no good churches around me. Move. Right. Move to a place where there is a good church. Absolutely. Do you know when they were founding uh, cities and towns in America, when, when, when this nation was still being developed, you know what they would do? They would build the church building first in the center of town and everything else spread out from the church in the center of the town, the yeah. bank, everything else. Yeah. In church New England, a, every, 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 city town. In, every town and city in New England has That's a, right. a, a white church. That's right. A church is in the center. And, every, and, and it was the basis of the town. That got built first and everything built out from it. Yeah. Because it was the, they, even they understood in the time, in the founding of the nation, this is what our town, our city, our population needs first. Yeah. A place to worship and everything else from our families is built out from a place to worship. Amen. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. You know, people actually used to think about this. People used to see such value in the house of God. Imagine this in Europe and in America. When they build these cathedrals, like stone cathedrals, you've seen them, in, oh, especially in New massive. England and in Europe. There, there were people in those churches giving so much money to build a cathedral that they'd never see with their own eyes. Wow. Because those, some of those cathedrals took a hundred years to build and wow. complete. So there were people giving huge amounts of money to build them, knowing I'll never see it established. Yeah, cool, wow. cool. But I know it's important and I'll give my own value to it, yeah. knowing our generation needs a place to worship. Amen. And it's, it's crazy. You see kids. So, you know, talk about that for, for parents, moms. And uh, there's so many single moms now because the enemies That's attacked true. homes and attacked the, the, the family unit. What do you say to moms as they're raising their children and, and trying to raise them in the power of the Holy Spirit? There's a question here. Have you ever smacked Teddy? <laughs> no, I'm just, Teddy got I, lots I'm sorry, of spankings. I'm just kidding. I'm, I made that up. He got lots of spankings. I was smacked I more than anybody I, you know. I, 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 I made so that up. You have your question. Yeah, I read it wrong. It says, will you Maybe smack you Teddy? pick up the no. questions and bring them up. Some or just just down. just jump on jump on yeah. the Facebook feed and type them in. Yeah, I've got I've got one here too. Um, okay. What's the greatest miracle? Let's let's finish the first one I just asked before we jump on. <laughs> <laughs> let's not get ahead of, ahead of ourselves. Mothers just love number one. Love love your children, love them. 
You know, it, life can become very frustrating. Children are so smart, they can try to really, really get around not having to do what you say. But love them, number one. But be firm. Be firm in being the head of the home. And don't let your kids run the household. Make them mind. Make them obey. If you don't make your children obey, they will never obey God. God commanded us to make our children be obedient. But do it in love and just train them in the word. Jesus loves them and has great things for them. Talk about training because I had somebody get on my case. I posted on Instagram the other day with my kids sitting on my arms in the front row of church. And I wrote in the description, train them in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart. And somebody got on my thing. Well, brother, you know, you can't take Proverbs as promises. They're just general principles. So you don't say that because many people grew up and they, they brought, they raised their kids in church and they left the, left the faith. Mm. Well, taking your kids to church is not training. No, it isn't. Talk about training. That's good. Taking is not training. Every day. And even children can understand the word. And especially young minds can remember things for the rest of their lives. And so teach them the word. Make them memorize the word. Teddy, at two years old, we started him off with Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and how he went about doing good, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. That's the first scripture he learned at two years old. His dad used to have him come up and say it on the platform, but he likes to be a comedian, so he would start, you know, doing the... The comedian role, but <laughs> but he learned the word. Get that word in them. The word is powerful and train them. And the Bible does say, you know, to get the rod out. Sometimes children have to get the rod. I had a wooden spoon and not for every little thing, not because they spilled their milk and you're frustrated. Right. But when children say, I'm not doing what you say. Direct right. disobedience has to have a spanking. Preach. That's right. So. But do it in love and do it fairly. The Lord will lead you. <laughs> I was smacked more than people that owe the mafia money. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I was ornery. And I, I would just, the best is when I got too big for like the brushes and the spoons. And the, I started breaking them. Like they would break on me. You know, it's like, tough. I've gotten too big. <laughs> the thing is that when I got bigger than my, when I got bigger than my mom, which was about like fourth grade, because um, <laughs> I was homeschooled and then I finally got bigger than her and she'd want to like punish me, but I would just tackle her down and tickle her until you she would. couldn't stop laughing. He wouldn't let me go. He'd just tickle me and tickle me. <laughs> so for any children watching, I've given you the way out. <laughs> go ahead, Pastor Brian. Um, there was just a question here. What's, what's the greatest miracle that you've seen in the ministry? Mm. To me, every miracle is great. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Hallelujah. Because it means God cared for that person. Mm-hmm. Which means that everyone, God has put greatness in you. Um, I remember when Teddy was little, I used to sit him on the front row. And I was in Pennsylvania, and this lady had a huge goiter, big old growth on her neck. So I brought her up, and I laid hands on it, and it disappeared out of her neck. 
Teddy was about, what, three, maybe four. He has a double-jointed finger. He jumped up. He said, do it again, Dad. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, that was great because I was able to impart to my own son the power of God that yes. day. Amen. And he was just little. But overall, I've seen God do some wonderful things. Yes. People that had no kneecaps he would grow them underneath the, the skin and where they couldn't bend, they got on their knees now. Creative miracles. I prayed for a girl that had no eyeball in her socket. And in the process of time, God grew an eye in that empty socket. Mm -hmm. We went back one year, there was like a little white pearl. Went back the next year, there was a whole eye. Went back the third year, she's seen light and darkness. Someone said, why didn't God just do it instantly? I don't know. You can ask him when you get to heaven. <laughs> but that was a process of over 36 months of God growing an eye in an empty socket. Um, I just, there's so many things. Uh, there was a guy in Sarasota, Florida, when I had the tent up, that he had lost six to eight inches of his leg in an accident and yeah. the altar call was given you remember this dear yes. and he came down to be saved and I was down there at the altar I had my arm around him and he was so excited about being saved he said could God grow my leg back I said of course he can and I just prayed a simple prayer and I looked and his pants were uh, what do you call it hemmed a certain way because it was short, his leg had grown past the hem. And he had a built-up shoe. The back was about that big, and the front was about this big. And now his leg was normal. He had to take the shoe off. And the last I saw him, he was walking out of the tent with his shoe slung over his shoulder. God grew his leg six yes. to eight inches Hallelujah. long. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was powerful. Yeah. It helped my faith. Um, so many things that God does. There was a, I was flying down to Brother Hagin's Winter Bible Seminar and a young boy got on the plane in Chicago. I flew from Pittsburgh to Chicago, then Chicago to Tulsa. And he sat down next to me. I noticed he was reading Brother Hagin's book. I said, you wouldn't by any chance be going to the Winter Bible Seminar. He said, what? He said, I can't hear out of this ear. I'm deaf. I've been born deaf in that ear, but I can hear out of this. Say it again. And I, he said, oh, yeah, I am going. And just was wonderful to talk to him on the plane. One night at the Winter Bible Seminar, I looked down at the prayer line Brother Hagin was doing, and there was that young boy. And Brother Hagin stopped and said, you're deaf in your ear and also blind in your eye. I didn't know he was blind as well on that side. Brother Hagin prayed, and the boy took off shouting. His blind eye came Hallelujah. open. His deaf Praise ear God. could Thank hear. You, and I turned to who I sit next to. The guy's name was Ed Dufresne. I said, Brother Ed, I flew with him down here. I know for a fact he was deaf, and I didn't know he was blind. I said, but isn't that wonderful? Yes, Praise And God. so miracles are all around you. Oral Roberts said this to me one day. He said, miracles are either coming towards you, or going by you, but miracles are in the atmosphere. Thank 
you, Talking Lord. about the gifts of the Spirit, going back to the young pastor, how can I operate in the gifts? You have to be aware of the fact that in the atmosphere around you, the power of God is always at work, always working right now. And we access the power of God by our believing. And what happens uh, is sometimes people have wrong believing, but it's important to have right believing. Yeah. If you believe right, then you'll receive from God. Amen. What is right believing? Believe everything the Bible says and doubt everything that man says that is opposed to the Bible. Yeah. And so I've been in meetings where people get up and preach stuff, and I knew it wasn't even scriptural. And so one time a guy, he said, I saw you here. What did you think about what I preached? Oh, I said, I'll go days without thinking about what you preached. Amen. <laughs> because it, didn't, it wasn't scriptural. So stick to the word. And uh, last night, instead of preaching, I taught. And sometimes in, the Bible says in Matthew, and wherever Jesus went, teaching and preaching and healing. That's the Jesus pattern. And so sometimes, last night we had a lot of different folks that were new that haven't been here all week. So I just went yeah, back to the first point. Last night. And mm -hmm. I was teaching. And preachers need to know that. You have to be versatile and led to the Spirit that if you've got a whole new crowd, then you've got to start over with them. Yeah. Well, yeah, you hold over people that have been here like you folks, faithful to the meetings. But you've got to also be right. mindful of those that haven't been in with us yet. Yeah. And bring them along. And so by the end of this week, Friday night, we'll have an explosion in here. Mm -hmm. I don't know what we're going to do. It'll yeah. be so powerful. That's right. And uh, wouldn't surprise me, every single person will be healed Friday night. Amen. Every person that comes in here will be saved Friday night. That's because right. Because it, it builds line upon line, precept upon precept. Oh, lift your hands, you in the studio, you that are watching, and give Praise God glory. Lord. God's Hallelujah. growing. Yeah. And building Thank something in us. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Pat Blade just gave a testimony. I got my miracle. Don't need surgery. My feet are healing. Praise the Lord. God's my healer. Hallelujah. Praise God, she Pat. She called from California several weeks ago, fell out of a trailer, and broke her feet. So I prayed for her over the phone. And she was scheduled to have corrective surgery on her feet from that accident. But now we hear for the first time surgery canceled. Praise so that God. was a healing. Praise Amen. God. Yeah. John um, Perry is asking a question. Uh, what would be some pieces of advice that you would give to a Christian business owner who is truly trying to operate as a manager of God's business in moments or situations of worldly discouragement and opposition? What does he mean, worldly discouragement? Well, I'm sure. The economy? No, I think he probably means more like what happened with Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A, where you try to manage it as God's business and do things according to Scripture and not follow the Antichrist agenda that's in this uh, uh, culture, and you get blowback from it. Well, Hobby Lobby won their case at court, and they're making hundreds of millions of dollars, so it didn't hurt them. Yes. Chick-fil-A was kept out of New York, the state of New York. They won their case. Now there's Chick-fil-A's in New York. They even got them in Massachusetts. Uh, and you, even some of the college campuses. <laughs> you know, that is good news, huh? It's good yeah. news. <laughs> One thing you got to remember, you don't mess with people's chicken. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you can, you can mess with my 
Brussels sprouts. You can mess with my spinach, but don't mess with my chicken. But uh, my advice to you, Brother John, number one, make sure you tithe your business. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. Get out of the world's economy. Come over into God's economy. Yes. Yeah. So when you do that, then the blessing comes on your business. Amen. That's right. And then always have a portion to help the poor. I think uh, if a business is a Christian business, it should not only tithe, but there should be money to help the homeless. Yeah. Like even our ministry, we... we in our hometown, we help the Union Mission. Uh, we help feeding programs in different parts of the nation. There should be some kind of a humanitarian outreach that you have, John. And then another thing, too, is believe God for expansion in spite of worldly discouragement. Act as if the world's not even there. <laughs> Act as if it's just you and Jesus. And yes. let people watch you get blessed. Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know, I know, John. He's he's an electrician too, so I know that he deals a lot with other contractors. And I think a lot of it's, you know, what I mean, having that worldliness around him and some of his employees. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, I, I, I'm, I know most of his employees are kind of walking with the Lord, but I know that he battles other carnal, fleshy stuff too. I, I, so, I, how does he posture himself there? I think, especially he, when you're when you're doing that kind of work, where you're construction, electricity, yeah. you get around a lot of very. It, it can be a very carnal atmosphere. Yeah, and a lot of times it's very important that you, um, you know, even though that's your work environment, but that's who's surrounding you for eight to ten hours a day. Right. You got to stay prayed up. You got to stay in the Word. Yeah. You have Smokers, to stay, drinkers. Yep, you know you got to stay walking in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be a light in a dark place for many of these guys. And I've had, we've had testimonies. I've seen testimonies come in where like, you know, I work construction and the guys on my job can't understand why I don't have to drink at the end of the day. Why, you know, why I'm always happy. You know, they, they don't understand why I'm never mad. And literally the actions of the fruit of the spirit being alive in your life. Yes. I look at Mike, I see Mike st- sitting back there. Uh, we all know Mike's just, he's always battling depression. No, <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike. Mike's one of the happiest guys. And uh, Mike would be a great example. You know, you can come onto a job. Mike the Sprinkler. Mike the Sprinkler. You know, you, you come. Uh, you know, you know. <laughs> 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 he just did the sprinkler for those of you watching. Uh, but, you know, Mike might be a great example. You know, go into his job and uh, full of the joy of the Lord, yeah. full of the love of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's people that can't understand, like, how does somebody like this every day? Mm-hmm. Like, this got to be fake. You know, people at the beginning, they think you're fake, like you're putting it on. Then after they've worked with you for a year, it's like, this yeah. guy does it let every up. day. Yeah. It's something. There's, up. there's no batteries. <laughs> and literally, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing, too, with, with um, acting it out versus talking about it all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm a Christian. You need to come to church with me. I'm a Christian. But then they see your life. I've actually had people say, like, how are you happy all the time? You know, and they don't understand that it's something that's supernatural that's within you coming out of you. It's not that I have to wake up and say, today, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. No, I'm happy. I can't stop it. I don't need, you know, we were, my cousin Jonathan and I were at a, a restaurant one time. I think we were at a Buffalo Wild Wings. It might have been we were here with you. And we were here together. Went over to Buffalo Wild Wings in Lemonster, Right. And you remember this? And the lady came over and she was like, my manager just told me not to serve you guys any more drinks. <laughs> we hadn't had one drink. They're like, those guys are laughing. They're nuts. These guys are nuts. We're over there just like laughing. We're like joking. We're laughing. And then as a manager. Yeah, I think it was me. 
Yeah. You, Jonathan, uh, Steve. Yeah. And uh, Jay. That's right. And like, hey, manager said to cut you guys off, but I told him we haven't served any drinks in the first place. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> you know it's rough when you're wilder than drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> than the it's like what's going what's going on but people don't understand yeah i had people they'll happen to you i've had people get mad at me because i'm happy <laughs> always happy oh why are you happy all the time why are you singing you know it's yeah. like oh excuse me for interrupting your deep depression with my happiness it's like blows my mind it's like people want to be depressed like I, I was doing fine in my depression and heaviness until you came along with your singing yeah but you know what's great those will be the same people that, that, that ask you the question later on you know how yeah. come you're always happy yeah what is right. it that makes you always you know what I mean then you're able to minister to them. absolutely right. I know how to make people lose their joy <laughs> some take up an offering <laughs> it's true in fact, while I'm on that thought, I appreciated so much my son coming to help me as I've been recovering. I, I fell and injured myself. But I see we got about 120, 130 people watching online, you that are here. I want to challenge everybody to sow into the uh, Miracle Word ministry, my son's ministry, because he's getting ready to go on television in many nations of the world. And uh, if you type in hashtag donate, no space and ask God for an amount. In fact, I think everybody that's watching should give at least $100. Teddy, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Thank as you. As soon as I get mom's purse. And, <laughs> but I'm, I'm serious. I'm in agreement. I just feel the part. Here, of, I'm going to get the ball rolling. Part here. of ministry, oh. part of ministry and the gifts of the spirit and the things of the spirit is learning how to give yes. God something to work with. Amen. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible says, uh, where Paul encouraged him, he said, you do well in utterance. That's the, the gifts of the Spirit that speak. He said in revelation. And then he said in the area of faith, that's the power gifts. Also, he said, you need to excel in this gift. What was that gift? Well, it was the area of giving. I call it the 10th gift of the Spirit because Paul spoke about it in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 when he said that God bestowed a gift upon the Macedon uh, Macedonians who out of their deep poverty yes. abounded under their liberality. Yes. There's something God has in the Spirit that takes you from poverty to an abundant life. Yes. What was it? He said a gift. And God has a gift for every one of you watching. And I just feel yesterday I was praying and the Lord said there's going to be a power of multiplication come upon my people. Amen. A power of multiplication. Hallelujah. I believe the last part of this year there's an acceleration in every area. Amen. And one of those areas is finances. Amen. And I don't know how you've done this week. I, I don't know. But I'm just telling you right now today, you that are watching, uh, you can be used of God. To, and some of you could give more than a hundred, but I mean, we should do something to keep the gospel going with signs yes. and wonders and miracles yes. and this kind of teaching. I won't be around forever if Jesus tarries, Amen. but Pastor Brian, uh, my son, and of course you women outlive the men, you'll all, my wife will be here, <laughs> but in the passing of the baton, we need to train people to be generous in their giving. Right. 
because it has everything to do with the moving of the Holy Spirit True. and the power of God. What happened in the book of Acts when the Spirit moved? Everybody brought their possessions and threw them at the apostles' feet. Yes. And they had everything in common. And the Bible says, and there was no lack. That's right. Yeah. No need. That's right. Now, yeah, you no have lack. a few Ananiases and Sapphiras that they want to lie to the Holy Ghost. But uh, eventually, that'll kill you. That's true. And the same day they lied, they died. That's right. The quickest right. judgment in the Bible, Old and New Testament, had to do with how you fooled around with the money. Yep. When Korah and his followers, the golden calf, and they took the gold and they began to worship Moloch and so forth. When Moses came down, he was grieved. The very day that they were exposed, the earth opened up and swallowed them straight to hell. And that happened because of the way they handled the gold. Mm -hmm. The very day that Ananias and Sapphira lied about their money. Yep. How did they lie? As long as it was theirs, they, they could have kept it and lived. Right. But it's when they pretended mm -hmm. and lied and were hypocrites. Right. And one of the biggest hindrances to the move of the Spirit, we can see that, mm -hmm. is the area of holding on to what God wants you to release. Mm -hmm. The Bible says if you withhold it, it'll bring poverty on you. But if you'll turn it loose, it says it causes Increase. Amen. So Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 said plainly, and God bestowed upon the Macedonians a gift. What was that gift? Whatever it was, it took them from deep poverty. You read it, it's in the Bible, unto a place of abundance. Well, I don't know anybody in their right mind that doesn't want to have more money than they got now. Yeah. But part of the gifts of the Spirit, according to the book of Acts, that accelerates the money coming to you is the money you release. Mm -hmm. And so may I encourage every one of you watching on Facebook right now, go to your comment section, type in hashtag donate in the notifications. It'll come up to you. Yep. And uh, Brother Brian said he just gave. Me and my wife are going to give. But Teddy, and I want to thank you. Thank you. For uh, helping us. Yep, they're already, I see Lisa Perky's on. We love John. For we those of you, if you're, on, uh, if you're on YouTube, you Cash can't do, app, right? You, you can't go to hashtag donor on YouTube, but you can go to miracleword.com and you can sow a seed right there on the website. Click the give button or the partner button and you can sow right on the website on miracleword.com. I'll prove my point. I'm going to see how many stayed with us while I was taking up an offer. Only lost five. <laughs> Only lost five, and I'll guarantee you every one of them was a preacher. <laughs> 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 say I'll, I'll be at I'll be at Faith on Fire in April. Patterns. <laughs> I know you guys are having a great time. Thank you, thank you to every person that's sown a seed. We appreciate it. We love you. It's exciting. I'm I'm looking Tell forward to what folks God's what gonna you're going to do. You you've been so, working to build a TV network. Yeah. So it's amazing how God opened it all up supernaturally. And I I always said to the Lord, you know, it's you can easily get into the trap of comparison. You know, just doing things because other people are doing them. Right. And that's why the Bible says comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise. If God didn't tell you to do something, then don't get involved in it. You know, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And there's a lot of people building their own houses or their own kingdoms, but that's why they have to come up with all the resources, the strength, the joy to do it. But when God gives you something, he's responsible for the resources, the strength and everything else. Yeah. 
So being in a family of preachers, and there's like 14 Shuttlesworths in full-time ministry, um, something like that. But my father's on television. My uncle Tim's on television. Uh, I believe my uncle Tiff and my uncle Terry, I know they're on television. My cousin Jonathan's on television. So you look at all that, you say, well, say, well I'm, one, I'm a Shuttlesworth, I should be on it. I said, Lord, I'll never go on, ever, unless you speak to me to do it and you open the doors. I'm not getting involved. I'm not going to do something because other people did it. And in one, like literally one space of time, I was contacted by multiple people that own television networks that now by the time we, we hit with our first program, it will hit on four continents of this world in over 120 million homes at one time. And something I could have never done, something that I could have never uh, uh, established, but God opened the door and took, made it take place and uh, made it easy. Amen. Made it easy because I like how uh, my cousin Jonathan and I both, both say this phrase, faith doesn't just make things possible. It makes things easy. Faith doesn't, you know, there's people who say faith, faith doesn't make things easy. It just makes them possible. No, it makes them easy. There's no easier way to go through I the Red it's Sea. Easy. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Candy Reed, for giving. Thank you, Stephen Mark. Thanks, Shauna. Thank all of Steve, you, Brian. Fire. Brian Russo. <laughs> Love you. And so it's exciting. You know, by the time we hit Brian this, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how quickly God's going to use that. So I'm looking for, forward to every soul that's going to be saved from every one of DJ. these nations, every one of these countries, every yes. one of these continents. Amen. We're expecting, actually, we're putting systems in place right now. Uh, I've been meeting with the team online uh, in our offices, and I'm, I'm putting systems together right now to handle the souls that are going to come in. Praise We're God. developing an online discipleship program Good. that no matter what nation somebody gets saved in, they'll be put into a sequence. And uh, every week for six weeks, we'll have video teaching to disciple them in the things of God. Uh, it'll all be automated. Yeah, it'll all, it'll all be automated. Nobody will have to do anything. It'll be automatic. If you get saved, you go to the website and you connect with us, you will get those discipleship videos every week. Wonderful. We'll take you in the next steps, put you in a place where you know what you're supposed to be doing for the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's also why we've been developing. God spoke to me a year and a half ago. It's been two years now to develop Miracle Word University. And that's part of that is that we're developing these courses about Pentecostal doctrine to teach this new generation why we believe what we believe. And, the, you know, Peter encouraged us by the encouragement of the Holy Spirit and to always be able to give an answer, be ready to give an answer for the faith that you have. You should not only know what you believe, you should be able to explain what you believe to other people. Right. And so that's why we're developing a new generation of people. You know, if somebody says, do you believe God heals? Yeah. Why do you believe it? Oh, well, I, you know, I think our church believes it. That, that's not an answer. You know, no. people need to know why they believe what they believe so they can stand in the full manifestation and of God's know, power. you know, son, also, we need to remind everyone that if you believe in this kind of ministry and signs and wonders and the moving of the spirit, then you need to support that because yep. by supporting it, you guarantee that what you believe is being taught and, propagated. and pushed out. Yep and sown like a seed. Yeah. So literally you partner with the thing you believe in. Amen. You partner with the thing you believe in. Amen. I wish I had all my money back from the McDonald's I ate at for 47 years. <laughs> I'd be a wealthy man. <laughs> you know where it says 1 billion hamburgers sold? I bet you I ate 100 million of myself. <laughs> my wife, she used to say, we're not going to McDonald's again. I said, all right, for a change, we'll go to Burger King. Amen. <laughs> but no, 
you that are watching, especially you that are here, it does take finance to get the message out. But here's the good thing. If you are partnering with what God is about, and we're talking about signs and wonders and the power of God, then you are enabling God to in turn bring back to you the gift of 2 Corinthians 8 that'll move you out of where you're at into a place of abundance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God does not determine your next financial blessing. You do by what you give yeah. today. Mm -hmm. Amen. And literally you can give your way out of poverty. Right. I know people that have lots of money, but they have a poverty mentality. Mm -hmm. Right. They still have the first dime they made as a kid. <laughs> They're so tight that when they hold the dime, the little man cries, let me go, let me go. <laughs> because they do not have a generous spirit. But we pray for Pastor Tomes. God's helping him. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. So go to that comment section. And he told you how to do it. If you're watching on YouTube, go to the website, MiracleWord.com. But I, I'm, I'm watching this. People are giving God an offering. It's great. Thank you, Ken. Kathy, and uh, I challenge said, everybody to give at least 100. Kathy said, you can hear a Shuttlesworth every day. That's right. <laughs> There's so many. You yeah, can hear well, a Shuttlesworth every day. That's how it's supposed day. to be. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> My father was a preacher. His sons are preachers. Their grandsons, his grandsons are preachers. Me, are you, you know, Jonathan the blessing is greater than the curse. That's right. Everybody say that. The blessing is greater than the curse. Blessing is greater than the curse. The blessing is greater than the curse. Amen. And your family's going to be blessed, and then it'll be your children and your children's children. Amen. Under a thousand generations, the blessing can yeah. work. Amen. Come on. Woo! Glory to Hallelujah. God. I felt that one. Praise God. Amen. I intend to dance and carry on until Jesus comes and I can't wait to watch my grandchildren fall out under the power of God and spin like a yes. circle and and shout unto God with victory and hallelujah hallelujah amen glory 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 praise God and thank you Ken for giving but Ted I'm just telling you that in this last hour we're going to have to believe for some big things yes. amen some really big things Amen. Hallelujah. And every Amen. Christian has to pass what I call the money test because yeah. the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And God wants to know, do you love him more than money? Because the Bible says if you love the one, you have to hate the other. Right. You can't have two masters. Mm -hmm. And so God will test us. That's why he tells us to pay our tithes. Become God's partner by giving him 10% of your money. And then so above that and show God, I love you more than money. Yeah. If, if God looked at your checkbook, what would he say? Do you love him more than money? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's wonderful to give to God in his work. And Amen. another thing, too, you're not going to bankrupt God. Right. right. I, one of the reasons I believe in prosperity is because I believe the scripture, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yeah. Everything in this earth belongs to God. And then when Jesus came, he redeemed fallen man back to that authority. And part of our dominion now is the ability to call into the kingdom things we need. But one of the words that's not being used with prosperity that we need to help people understand is the word stewardship. Yep. Now, let me ask you a question. 
if I had a choice of raising $60 million for my own private jet, it's not going to bankrupt God. Or if I'm doing 20 meetings a year and I can lease a jet from NetJet for 10000 that's 200000 and I did it for the next 40 years of my life, it's still less money than spending $60 million from my own personal jet. Well, now, is that going to bankrupt God? No, either way. But stewardship says, rather than take $60 million, at least if you're a good businessman, and I'm saying this because I get a lot of letters along this line at the office, then all you do is lease a net jet at your own schedule, how you want to do it. Come on. And in a lifetime, you won't even spend what you'd spend if you bought and owned your own jet. Hmm. So I think some of these fellas, <clears throat> their pilot lights burn out. Their elevator's not going all the way to the top. <laughs> They're not good stewards. And so what are you going to do? Put that burden on the body of Christ? Someone said, well, the Lord can take care. Yes, he can. But at some point, we have to also care for the people we minister to and not put undue burdens on them, but stick to the Bible. So if I'm receiving an offering right now, it's for the gospel. And it will bring increase to you. It'll bring prosperity to you. God wants you to prosper. Are you listening to me? Mm -hmm. But the minister or the one that's receiving it must be a good steward. Amen. Must be a good steward. And I believe some of these jack legs are going to stand before God and he's going to correct them because they didn't do the right thing by the people. I'm just telling you. I feel like I've preached long enough I can say it. I don't care who I tick off. That's your problem, not mine. I feel good. I'll go out and eat a good salad today. I feel good about myself. I'll <laughs> preach tonight. No, Pastor Ted's preaching. I mean, Evangelist Ted's preaching tonight. Hallelujah. But... We need to understand, and you know, my son, he is more knowledgeable in prosperity and my nephew, Jonathan, than perhaps I am. But I like to be the one that reminds people, especially preachers, consider the people that you're ministering to. And part of that consideration is to move them out of poverty, move them out right. of lack, move them out of yep. jobs Amen. that aren't taking care of them right. Come on. And how you move out of that into prosperity is by your giving. That's the prosperity yeah, message. You, your Jesus. giving will Amen. bring increase to you. Amen. But to those that are responsible, you need to also understand stewardship. Yes. Amen. Stewardship. We don't need $900 wrenches. Talk about the U.S. Air Force. <laughs> Buy $900 wrenches. Right. You can go down to Lowe's and get one for 60 bucks. <laughs> that does the same exact thing. I was looking at that the other day online. So a lot of this uh, nothing area of what I call waste <laughs> and lack of thinking. And here's a word that will help you remember what I'm saying. Stupidity. We got a lot of stupid folks. <laughs> well, they're not thinking right. Slack is lack. Are you hearing me? Right. And whack. So, do we believe in prosperity? Absolutely. Yes. Do we believe that God has more than enough for yes. us? Absolutely. Do we believe that if we release our faith, we can have as big a home as we want? 
Absolutely. You're not going to upset God with that. Do I believe God can give me my own uh, jet? Absolutely. Believe all of that. Amen. But do I want to use some of that 60 million to buy TV airtime, preach the gospel? Do I want to use some of it to get what he's got that I don't have that after this service today, I'm going to find out what it is and get it myself? The equipment to do the follow-up? Absolutely. Does God have more than enough to handle all that? Of course he does. Amen. But the Bible Thank also says, count the cost. Yes. Count the cost Amen. before you build. And I've watched ministries over the years, long time. And some of the ones that I felt like Brother Hagin said, got in a ditch on one side or the other. Most of them have lost their effectiveness and some of them are not even in the ministry. I intend to be preaching until I'm so old that uh, I'll look like Will-o'-the-Wisp when I come in. I'm going to be skinny when I'm old. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep preaching. Still have all my teeth. Hallelujah. Still have good <laughs> eyesight. But that's called stewardship. You got to take care of your body. Yes. Amen. Amen. And one of the things you got to remember, Brother Shambach and I talked about this one time, the spirit of mammon. He got rebuked because he was raising money for TBN and they called him a prosperity pimp. And uh, it upset him. And I said, don't be upset. I said, uh, we don't think that way of you. You're helping people to move into prosperity. You're bringing a message that's bringing great funds into the body of Amen. Christ. And then he said to me, he said, but the spirit of mammon is what's taken a lot of people out. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, there's a spirit to the world system that if you're doing it, that way, which is greed, you know, the world system is based on greed right. and covetousness. He said it wears businessmen out. They have heart attacks. They don't live long. Their blood pressure, they go nuts. He said people striving to get money. But he said God's system is based on faith yes. and increase. Amen. And you'll never wear out trusting God. God. Thank you. Lord. It'll make your life longer. Amen. And better. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank but I'd Lord. hate to get under the pressure of feeling like I got to raise a hundred million dollars to do something for God. No. Mm -hmm. What I got to do is do something for God and whatever he orders, he pays for. Hallelujah. Thank Put you, the Lord. pressure on the seed and not on the need. Amen. Put the pressure on your seed. Let your seed make the way yes. for you. Let the seed My bring God. in your harvest. Not your need. We're not need-oriented. That's right. I need this. I need, need No, needs. no, no. Pay more attention to what you're sowing. And when you put the pressure on the seed, then increase will come to you. Amen. It'll start coming. Thank you, Lord. Seed. Seed produces a harvest. Type that in your comment right now. Seed produces a harvest. Amen. I'm trying yes. to get it below 100 because I know people quit you, when you start talking about giving. Yeah, just hit 99. Yeah, 99. See? <laughs> I got 82. <laughs> That's just Facebook. Okay. Uh, you talk Thank about you. miracles. It went from 120 to 82. 140. <laughs> 140 to 82. You see, the multitude followed him for the miracles which he did. Well, it was time to pay the price and give the offering at the cross. Only a handful follow. It's a Bible right. principle. Yep. Why? Because not everybody is willing to pay the price right. to follow Jesus Christ. Mm. Hallelujah. How many you're willing? Amen. You that are watching, you're willing. 
yeah. lift your hand where you're watching. I don't care if you're at work and all of a sudden they see a hand come out of the cubicle. Amen. Amen. I'm willing, Lord, to stay. I'm willing, Lord, to do. I'm willing, Lord, to do thy blessed will. If mountains I must cross or across the sea, I'm willing, Lord, to follow thee. Amen. Praise God. We used to call those consecration songs, sang them when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing, we're feeding people spinach right now, and some of them are spitting it out. They don't like it. (laughs) But eat your spinach. When Teddy was little, Mom would send me the story to get him spinach and carrots and stuff. I said, he don't like that. So I'd buy peaches and apples and bring them back. Because if she put the spinach in, he'd go. (laughs) But she was a good mom. She'd scrape it off his lips, (laughs) off his chin. Here comes the airplane. Feed it to him again because he needed it. Little Teddy received that impartation. If it was uh, peaches or apples, he'd suck it down like it was going out of style. I've preached long enough. I see it when people start spitting their spinach out. But I'm big enough. I'm going to wipe it off your face and feed it to you again. Amen. Amen. You need your spinach. Yes. You need to be a giver. Amen. You need to give God an offering today. Amen. Are we down below 90 yet? All right. 90, 99. <laughs> Leaves the 99. Can, can you give... As being a pastor, uh, you've, you've helped me so much in, in ministry and in life. What's one good piece of advice that you could give the pastor that's watching now that's online? Don't go along with the denomination. Hmm. Because it was the masses that said crucify him. And sometimes the majority is wrong. Hmm. Sometimes the majority is actually the crowd of fools. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, someone steps apart from the masses and says, I will follow the leading of the spirit. Nothing wrong with denominations, but if they're not going the way of the cross and the things of the spirit, why would you follow them anyhow? Mm. Amen. Right. Thank you for giving whoever that name was. What, what about the young evangelist that's watching? There's, there's, there's evangelists that are tuned in, especially. I know there's some that are here. It's about time that they mm-hmm. come along. We need new young evangelists. Yes, we do. Amen. But with a backbone. Amen. Don't be a poly parrot. Mm-hmm. The Lord says, get a word for yourself. <laughs> no parrots. Know your message. Amen. No parrots. That's good. Just go out and start winning souls. Thank you, Adrian and All the evangelists. I've mentioned it a few times, but give that advice to them that, I remember when you gave it to me, I thought, man, I I can't believe he's saying that. Like, why wouldn't he tell me to just be led by the Holy Spirit? But when I was young, starting a ministry, dad said, till you're 30 or 35, you need to only preach on four things. Right. You know that? Sound doctrine. And they were salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. healing, the soon coming of Christ. Right. They used to call it the four square gospel. Right. What happens, a lot of young guys are looking to get all the revelation that you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really is the spirit of pride. Right. <laughs> Just be simple. Is it bringing Keep you it back? Simple. It's like the lady, her husband kept going on and on. 
So she wrote the letters K-I-S-S and sent it. Usher, take it to my husband while he's preaching. The usher saw it kiss. He said, oh, this pastor and his wife, they love each other. He said, this is from your wife. But the husband knew what it meant. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> that was their secret code. He was waxing eloquent. A lot of times people that are always looking for revelations, everything, that's the spirit of pride. Mm. Just preach. <laughs> Just learn to preach what's in the Bible first. Yes. <laughs> preach what's in the Bible first. Yeah. Before you start doing extra biblical preaching. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's true. I believe a lot of guys make stuff up. They do. I had a guy, I was in a meeting. He said, I'm going to preach a message. It's the revelation about revelations. <laughs> I looked at the other preachers. I said, is it me or do I think this guy's been smoking dope? Yeah. It's true, though. People get into preaching weird stuff and it makes it makes people weird. You get into those like those weird groups that everything's super like, you know, ethereal. It's it's nuts. You know, you get they get into all these. like. Let me give you a good example. Halloween's coming. And this lady put on Facebook. We should not put any images of evil or Halloween. But for her picture, it was all images of evil things. And she said, we shouldn't use any evil things. So I texted her back. I said, does that include your Facebook picture? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people are... I heard someone say recently, now Halloween, October 31st, you got to be careful. Because that's when the veil is the thinnest. It's like, really? That's when, that's when really? the veil is the thinnest. Uh, it was funny. I've I heard, even heard people say that if you celebrate Halloween by letting your kids go get candy, that you're opening them up to witchcraft. Right. Are you stupid? I know. I let both my kids go get candy, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost and preached the gospel. Yeah, that's such a stupid idea. Yeah, it's all about the parent, the parents, and the home. Yeah. If parents are godly, your kids will be godly. Right. And putting on Spider-Man's mask is not going to send you to hell. You know, someone someone actually just recently said, someone actually just said, Don't the moment web you. They said the moment you put that costume on, you're opening yourself up to demons. I was like, really? So my Batman costume just opened me up to the demonic. Like people are that dumb. The moment you put on a costume, you're opening yourself up to demons. The devil's power is more powerful than God's power. This is how much people don't know. Candy Reed said the last time she gave an offering, just a few days later, six times the amount came into her bank account. Praise God, Candy. Praise God. She's from Detroit? Yeah. But what what I wanted to say (laughs) when I saw that from Candy, her family were raised by godly parents. Mm-hmm. godly grandparents and now that whole generation i think the holy spirit's got us on that we want to raise up our families to be godly yes. amen amen and some of this weird doctrine if you think about it it's messing families it up. is it is messing families up absolutely i even had someone tell me they said uh, talking about what teddy was just talking about uh they had a revelation They said, see what you think about this, Brother Ted. I believe the Lord told me only skinny people are going up in the rapture. (laughs) I said to him, Wade, how much do you weigh? Well, he said, I love you so much, Brother Ted. I wanted you to be going in the rapture too. I said, how much do you weigh? 
146 pounds, he said. I said, uh-oh, looks like I'm going to hell. <laughs> I ain't getting down to 146. I said to him, what's the going weight for salvation? <laughs> <laughs> and they put that man... Not the going rate, but the going weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They put that man in an insane asylum over in Rhode Island. When you have bad doctrine, you'll lose your ever-loving mind because the Word of God renews your mind. Yeah. But false doctrine and stupid revelations will steal things out of your mind. That's true. It's like this Francis. guy that says, you know, women can't preach. Uh, his name's known. I think it, his name's John MacArthur. Yeah. Well, I wasn't so sure that he wasn't a woman. Someone said, what are you talking about, Brother Shuttlesworth? Because of what he said reveals problems in his life. He has a problem with women. Why is that? I don't know. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode. <laughs> Someone said, you never mention people by name. I, I did his and I'll tell you why. He's picking on women. Any sissy knows you don't pick on women. Yeah. I was raised in the South. So, Brother MacArthur, I hope someone sends this to you. You need to zip your lip. You're not a leader. You're not a leader. That's true. When you put down half of the body of Christ. Amen. You're a schizophrenic problem that we need to deal with. And I've been getting all these calls in our office and on my phone blowing up. So I'm going to deal with it on Teddy's Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you so know, if you have a lawyer and you need to come after somebody, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. <laughs> and you know it's not—I mean, it's not an issue because Paul mentioned people by name. If there's something wrong, it's all right to correct it with the person publicly. Paul did it and wrote it in letters to be read publicly in churches. That's right. And and told it and told and he said these people have treated me personally wrong and actually got up and said their name and has said read this in front of the whole body of Christ. And let them all hear it. It's funny, my dad said, pre the preachers get these crazy revelations. Somebody told me a story. This younger preacher was really trying to impress this older preacher. So he got up and he had this whole message prepared. And he, he like preached it, you know, like he was, the, he was the man. So afterwards, like full of pride, he came up to that older preacher and said, what did you think about that message I preached today? He said, well, I only have three things to say about it. Number one, you read your whole message. Number two... You're not that good of a reader. And number three, it wasn't worth reading. <laughs> oh, man. Now, the gifts of the Spirit. Here's another thought. You cannot merchandise the anointing. This is the other side of the coin. It's the other ditch that people get into and that is where they say well your seed if you what's the word I heard the guy say the other day he said if you target your seed for your miracle God will give you a miracle that is a lie from hell Jesus already paid the price right for your miracle on the cross you right. cannot buy a miracle. Right. This is the other side of the ditch now. Mm -hmm. 
send me a thousand dollars and you'll be uh, the guy did this in South Africa and the prime minister of South Africa heard about it and threw the American evangelists out of the country this is a true story and what he said was in the meeting the first thousand people down here with a thousand dollar gift God will make you a millionaire the rest of your life well they, the newspaper reporter was there they counted it was over 1200 Notice the man didn't make 200 go back and sit down. He let them all stay. But he said the Lord said the first thousand down. So that was a lie. The man lied. And then he's no longer allowed to preach in that country anymore because he's a charlatan. A friend of mine, Lynn Carey, was in a meeting up in Toronto, Canada, and all of a sudden, the minister said, the first hundred people down with a hundred dollars, you'll be healed the rest of your life. That's a lie. We're healed because of the word of God. Yeah, you can be healed your whole life, but you don't have to pay a hundred dollars for it. Yeah. And so you see, whenever you interject a price or a cost to what Jesus already paid for, then you are in trouble. Yeah. We don't say to the people now, everyone that wants to be healed, bring your credit card down and we're going to swipe it. Right. Are you kidding me? And yet, there are those that have taught people that they got to give something to receive from God. Yeah. Something that's spiritual. Yeah. That is not true. So let's tell both sides of it. Does God want us to prosper? Yes. Is God going to bless us? Yes. But let's also go over here and let's, let's also deal with that area. And that's why you see people turn off. You know why they're going off? They're sick and tired of the false prosperity message. That's right. Uh-oh, here they go. They're going to say, if I give, then I'll be blessed. No, you'll be blessed whether you give to my son's outreach around the world or not. The blessing is not determined by Ted Shuttlesworth, senior or junior, or Sister Bonnie, or Pastor Brian. The blessing is of the Lord. Yep. And it makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. But what happens is, that's why I said to you a moment ago, you want to see me get the numbers down. I know something to do to get rid of all that joy. Start talking <laughs> about an offering. Yep. I was in a meeting where everybody was laughing, rolling on the floor. Brother Shambach got up. He said to me, watch this. All right, we're going to receive an offering. And everybody stopped laughing, got up off the floor, and some left the building. Mm -hmm. He looked at me and winked. He said, I knew that would get them. Yep. Because people base their experience above their area of stewardship. Mm -hmm. Your stewardship is just as important as a spiritual experience. Right. You're no more spiritual than to the degree you pay your tithe and give offerings to God. Yep. And one of the reasons I believe there's a little bit of a darth in the gifts of the Spirit is I think people are holding back on God. Now, God doesn't require you to give to bless you, but it speaks of a condition of the heart of many. Yeah, I'll trust you, God, up to this point. But after that, you're on your own, Jesus. No, 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 no. We need to understand something. 
whatever he's doing, it's for our benefit yeah. and to help us. Hallelujah. To make us better, stronger, Praise more Lord. blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Wherever you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, Hallelujah. you that are here, just lift your hand and begin to thank God. Praise Something Lord. good is happening Hallelujah. in your life. Thank you, and Jesus. by the end of this year, you'll be better off than you were before yes. the year started. Thank you, Amen. Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But Glory I've preached long God. enough. I feel like I have the responsibility to say some of these things because you, people get in a ditch on either side. Mm -hmm. Just stick right to the middle Thank of the road. I believe in the gifts. I believe God's going to use me. I believe God's going to anoint me. I believe God's going to see my family saved. Amen. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to see prosperity in my life. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go Hallelujah. forward. I'm not going yes, backwards. Lord. I'm going to be blessed. Everything Hallelujah. I set my hand to is blessed. Just stay to the middle of the road. Yes. Glory. Stick to that middle. Praise Amen. God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. And I think people probably, too, one of the issues, if people just understand a very simple principle, they wouldn't fall into that ditch, which is, a seed always reproduces after its own kind. Mm -hmm. You're not going to sow a financial seed and reap a healing. You're not going to sow a financial seed and reap a husband. You know, a seed reproduces after its own kind. Financial seed produces financial harvest. Right. We know that since we were kids because they told us if you want friends, you got to be friendly. friendly. You're sowing friendship and reaping friendship. Right. You're sowing love. You're reaping love. A seed always reproduces after its own kind. It's never going to produce something different. I'm glad different. you said that because there's a lot of people that get that, they get that completely mixed up. Right. Yeah, absolutely they do. Well, you know, you so you might not necessarily reap financially. You know what I mean? Might right. be yeah. your kids coming back to Christ, or, right? Or your yeah, <laughs> that's not scriptural. Right. A that's financial why your kids seed are away from Christ. You're yeah, scriptural. <laughs> that's right. So, so that would just that simple principle would help people understand that that'll never be the case. What you sow. Is what you whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Yeah. Not something else, that. And uh, that's that's important because there, as Pastor Brian said, there are a lot of Christians who say that. I've heard tons. Right. Well, you know, we sow, but we'd always expect it to come back as finances. Sometimes it comes back as more time with our children. Sometimes it comes back, you know, it's like, no, it's gonna be what you released is what's coming back to you. Right. What you release is what's coming back to you. Right. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you plant corn, you get corn. Yep. If you plant potatoes, you're going to get potatoes. You get what you sow. That's right. If you sow meanness, you're going to get a lot of meanness come back at you. Right. You know, it, it doesn't cost anything to be kind. Yeah. But it does cost you when you're mean. That's true. <laughs> Mom, any final thoughts for anybody today? Those watching? No, I'm, I was just thinking as Pastor Brian said that, people think that when you sow, you're going to get other things back. But just living in the blessing of God and living in the obedience of God is what brings all these things to, in your life. Your family will be saved. There'll be blessing in every area just by living in the blessing. What a wonderful thing it is to be in right relationship with God and to have God's blessing on your life. So if you're watching today and there's anything between you and the Lord, get it right right now. It's so simple. Lord, I repent. I change my mind. I turn around. I'm going your way instead of my way. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We I want to say thanks for hanging with us for these last two hours. We are going to make this available, obviously, on the replay, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, as well as it'll be on the podcast this afternoon 
those of you who like to, to listen on the podcast while you're working or doing other things. We love you. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll be back tonight, 7 o'clock, right here at Crossroads Community Church for Revival. And then tomorrow morning at 10.30 again. And tomorrow night's the final scheduled service at 7 p.m. My father's going to be preaching. And uh, miracles are taking place. It's been a phenomenal week yeah. already. You, I encourage you, if you haven't seen it, go back, watch the replays of the services all this week. It's been powerful. Yeah. And uh, we want to say we love you. Thank you to every person that sowed a seed. Carolyn and I love you and appreciate you. And uh, and we're praying for you as well. Every person that's standing with us, we're praying for you and your family as well. And I think you know that. We tell you often enough. We love you guys so much. And uh, we'll see you again tonight at 7 and tomorrow morning at 1030. God bless you guys. Have a blessed day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.